Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Here we go. This is the Skip Bayless Show, episode 83, in honor of Wes Welker from my hometown of Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, and Heritage Hall High School. This, as always, is the un-undisputed, everything I cannot share with you during undisputed, but today... Without further ado, I dive right into Not To Be Skipped, which I begin with a question from Harry from North Carolina, who says, Dion on Friday, dot, 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 that was quite a show, huh? Was it ever? Harry, that was the most special show I've ever been a part of in my lengthy career on national television. It was an honor just to sit in the middle of what transpired on that show last Friday in Boulder, Colorado. So, here for your edification, is the backstory to that story. Maybe you'd even go so far as to say the backstage story to this story. We had actually planned to take Undisputed to Boulder a couple of weeks back because our big noon Saturday show had planned to be there for USC at Colorado. The footprint, as they say, would be there already for us on Friday. The set would be built and ready to go for Saturday. So we would basically just piggyback the big noon Saturday set for Friday's Undisputed. I was hyped. I was ready. I am, as you already know from watching Undisputed, way, way into the Dion effect in Colorado as he has turned Boulder into the epicenter of the not just college football, but the sports universe. 
But obviously, as we all painfully know, after we had decided to go this past Friday to Boulder, something happened on the previous Saturday up in Eugene, Oregon. 42 to 6 happened. Oregon happened. Colorado didn't happen that day. I must admit, I feared that our trip to Boulder had lost just a touch of the luster, just a touch. I thought, will the students and the fans that come out for Undisputed be quite as into USC Colorado after 42 to 6? They were. They have all embraced the mantra, the truth, that this is only the beginning. Nobody loved 42 to 6 because obviously Colorado wasn't even competitive that day. But as you know by now, they were sure competitive this past Saturday against Caleb Williams and company, weren't they? It's only the beginning. They coming. So last Thursday, as my producer Tyler Corn and I landed in Denver, you have to fly to Denver. You can fly to Boulder out of Burbank Airport, but out of LAX here in LA, you've got to fly straight to Denver. And then it's uh, given traffic, 35, 45 minute ride south to Boulder to the college town where Colorado is obviously located, as they say, CU. And as I said on Friday, CU, we see you. Do we ever? So our greeter at the airport in Denver immediately started telling tales. He has a daughter at CU telling tales of the mania, the euphoria that that was continuing to ensue post 42 to 6. He began to tell tales of all the celebrities that he was going to escort at the Denver airport to their cars to go south to Boulder. All the NBA exes, Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, Terrell Owens, DaBaby, on and on. Celebrity City, as Dion said that week, it feels like half the NBA is coming for this game. But as we drove south, our big question for me and Tyler Korn, our producer, was will Dion actually come out and sit with us Friday on Undisputed because we were not sure about that. We'd had him on twice already, as you might have known from watching Undisputed. We had him on the Monday after TCU. Big shocking, We here, here we come upset at TCU on opening Saturday. And then we had him on after the next Saturday's game, the home opener in Boulder, in which they beat Nebraska. He's been good to us because we love him. He loves us. But would he come back for our live appearance out on the big noon Saturday set in Boulder last Friday? We weren't sure. 
my man Michael Irvin, my new teammate on my dream team on Undisputed, very close with Dion. My brother Lil Wayne is very close with Dion. I had both of them working on Dion, trying to get him to swing by even for 10 minutes. And we weren't sure because we kept hearing that Dion was shutting down interviews this past week. I couldn't blame him for that. I, I sort of empathized with, with the whole concept because he, he's doing so many interviews because he's simply the best interview in all of sports. He is so sought from 60 Minutes to Undisputed that he was in danger this past week of finally getting criticized for doing too much promoting of Colorado, maybe too much self-promoting at the expense of actually coaching the Buffaloes. So I, I was torn. I had very mixed emotions about imposing upon him once again to please come out and sit with us for 10, 12 minutes because he had a football game to prepare for after his team had gotten throttled, had gotten embarrassed, had gotten humiliated, 42-6 to at Oregon. Here came USC, once again, a 21-and-a-half-point favorite. I couldn't have blamed Dion if he said, I, I, I just got to prepare for the football game, because in the end, that's all that really matters. So we had sort of a, a trailer of a green room, if you will, a dressing room. Saw Michael Irvin there. I said maybe two, three minutes before we were to go out on set, out in front of the crowd, I said, okay, what's your gut feeling? He said, I don't know. He said, I'll, I'll give it 50-50, meaning Dion would show up. He'd give it a 50-50. But it came across to me more like a 40, 60, he wouldn't show up. Michael didn't seem too convincing about Dion showing up. So I gave it up. As I walked out, mic'd up, ready to go for the show, and I walked out into the crowd, I gave up the prospect of Dion Sanders actually joining us on set. We had not included him at all in our rundown before the show. We had done no show prep for a Dion interview. There had been no divvying up of questions where I would sit with Michael and Keyshawn, Keyshawn Johnson, and divvy up the questions as in, okay, Michael, you want to ask him what? X, Y, and Z. And... Keyshawn, you're, you're A, B, and C, which leaves me E and F. We didn't do any of that. We did not discuss. We did not sort of rehearse in our heads how would it go. There was no planning for a Deion Sanders interview. So, as fate, or maybe a higher power would have it, in the middle of a Dion topic, a topic about how and why has Dion been able to turn this program around virtually overnight from 1 and 11 to this. 
and in my ear in our makeshift control room in Boulder was Nick Law, who said to me, Dion is on his way. What? So I'm trying to stay with the conversation with just Michael and Keyshawn on set in front of several hundred rabid Colorado fans. And I'm trying to process he's on his way. Should we just stay on now and have him join us? Should we take a break now? And I'm just seat of pants. I am winging it. And I glance at the monitor and I see that we're actually tracking with a handheld camera Dion's entrance into our set area. And here he came out onto the set. Again, no plan, which was better this way. No plan would have gotten in the way of what was about to ensue. A plan would have prevented happening what did happen. Sometimes it works out better with no plan. So obviously, Dion loves Michael Irvin. He loves Keyshawn Johnson. I'll go so far as to say he trusts me. So right away, Deion Sanders was vibing with us. He was rolling. He was spilling emotion and wisdom. Man was on fire. So obviously I wanted Keyshawn to go and ask his questions. I wanted Michael to go and ask his questions. He went, he went, this went, that went. It's flying back and forth. It's just a conversation that is going all over the place in a good way. Very special moments were happening right and left. I'm sitting in the middle with Dion. To my left is Michael, and on Dion's right is Keyshawn. All I knew for sure was it was working. I wasn't sure where it was going. It was just going someplace good. As I brought up on the podcast, I am a God guy. And as I've said on this podcast, I believe that Dion is a true believer. No phony Christian baloney. He walks his spiritual talk, and he will often, as you know, talk of his faith. While never, ever really being asked about it. So when I finally found my entry point, when on the very spur of the moment it felt right to me, I plunged. I asked Deion Sanders about his faith. I can't speak for the farther left-wing media members, but it just seems like they're not going to ask the religion question. It's taboo, but I did. I asked Dion the religion question 
and Dion took the ball and he ran and ran and ran with it. It was mesmerizing to hear him speak about how God saved his life, about God's plan for his life. This is just me. God bless Dion for the message that he does deliver on a consistent basis. Then I plunged again. I basically told Dion that I believe he helped save Michael Irvin's life, this man to my left, when Michael strayed far from God's path. Dion said, no, actually he saved my life, which led to a very powerful exchange between two ex-teammates who are as close to being biological brothers as any real brothers have ever been. This led to, they stood behind me on set, they hugged, they cried, real tears, not, not for show, trust me, for real. Real tears were cried by Michael Irvin and Deion Sanders as they shared their deepest feelings for each other. Those two have been through it together. I mean, through it. To hell and back. Through it. Real. So in my ear, my man Nick Law is saying, you can keep him as long as you want. Well, we didn't have a plan. I didn't know what Dion's plan was. I, I didn't know if he had a meeting to make or, or what. I didn't want to abuse our time with him. Again, no plan. No time limit. So on the fly, at that moment, I decided that's enough. Why would we want to bring him back for one more segment and start asking some more here today, gone tomorrow football questions? So I, I said on air as they sat back down to my left and right, let's leave it there. We can't do any better than that because we can't. Or so I thought. That's when Dion interrupted me as I was about to take us to break. And he said, hold on. Because he had something he wanted to say to me. If you missed it, Here's what Deion Sanders said to me on air Friday in Boulder. Right there. Here, hold on for one second. Right. Thank you, man. Thanks. Because you get heat oftentimes. I do. But you've given a lot of us opportunities that people look past and Thank they don't you. understand, right. they don't recognize. And none of us are perfect. But you have given us 
y'all know darn well what I'm talking about. So many opportunities, man, and I appreciate you for that, boss. Yeah. Straight up, Skip. Thank you. You're for a good man, man. Thank you. Thank you. I love you for that. Thank you. I was very nearly speechless. I was touched. I was moved. I was more honored than I've ever been in my career. That was the proudest moment of my career. Nothing that's ever happened to me, all the awards I've won, all the great things that have happened, nothing has ever mattered to me in my career, in my professional life, as much as that moment still matters to me, will always matter to me. The only way I knew to react was to rather awkwardly just reach out and hug Dion, and he stood up and hugged me back. It was real. I'm not sure how I then got us to break. For that matter, I'm not sure how I got through the rest of the show, how I got back to talking about sports. For once, my head and my heart were not into talking just about sports. So here's why Dion's words last Friday meant so much more to me. Here's my context. I've mentioned this before. Now I'll go even more deeply into it because it'll give you far greater context about why that moment with Dion meant so much to me. Hey, folks, it's your man, Keyshawn Johnson, here to talk about Angie, formerly known as Angie's List, your go-to home services, marketplace for getting all your jobs done well. Now, you might be wondering, what exactly is Angie? Well, let me tell you. It's the nation's largest home services marketplace, connecting over 150 million homeowners with skilled professionals to tackle any project, big or small. As a homeowner myself, I always have things I want to work on for my house, whether it's general home renovations or fun projects like putting in a pool. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it a breeze to research, compare, and hire pros, ensuring every job is done well. Whether you're fixing a leaky faucet or planning a full kitchen renovation, Angie's got your back. And get this, folks. Angie's pros aren't just any old contractors. They're your neighbors, often running small businesses right in your community. Plus, they've been rated and reviewed by others in your area. So you know you're getting quality service. So why stress over home projects when you can turn to Angie? From finding the best price to scheduling a pro at your convenience, Angie's got you covered every step of the way. So get started today at Angie.com. That's Angie.com or download the app today to get started on getting all your jobs done. That's Angie, your trusted ally in home services. I did grow up in Oklahoma City, 
I was the oldest of three children in a broken home, wrecked by alcohol from the start. Both parents, alcoholics, father, functional drunk, mother, get drunk, drunk. Because of these circumstances, I often got left at my grandmother's. My grandmother didn't have a whole lot of money. She traveled for her work. So she did have a a full-time, I guess you'd call it housekeeper, who was actually more of a house runner. Her name was Katie Bell Henderson. She ran that household with an iron fist. She was a black woman from the south side of Chicago with a background that went all the way back to Alabama in her extended family tree. But she grew up on the south side of Chicago. She was tough. As sweet as she was tough, but she was tough. But please understand, from my perspective, as I got to know Katie Bell at age three, four, five, six, seven, been a lot of time with Katie Bell. Maybe I didn't know any better, but I did never, ever think of Katie Bell in that old South plantation mentality way of quote unquote servant. Katie Bell was nothing like that. She was treated nothing like that by the extended family who came and went through my grandmother's house. Katie Bell was in charge and she was treated as such. Katie Bell was wiser than any human I have ever known ever known. Katie Bell Henderson was far, far more of a mother to me than my mother ever was, remotely was. I looked up to that woman more than I have anyone in my life, ever, ever, ever. She saved me from going bad. I had every opportunity with no rules in my house to go wrong, to go south, to go bad. Katie Bell Henderson taught me right from wrong. She taught me about the evils of alcohol. She saved me. She built a foundation in my life that to this moment benefits me. I sat and watched all of Katie Bell's favorite shows with her from the edge of night to Gunsmoke. Shows probably before your time, maybe not edge of night, but Gunsmoke. She loved Gunsmoke. I had no idea how much Katie Bell had taught me until I became an adult, until she had passed. Katie Bell even took me occasionally to her church which was an AME church on the northeast side of Oklahoma City. When I went, I would be the only white person in attendance. And they treated me like a prince. 
I always preferred those services far more than I did mine, my all white ones that I went to with my mom only because my mom wanted to impress my grandmother. I'm doing this right. I'm taking my kids to church. But black people celebrate their love for God in ways I'd never experienced in my church. It was exciting. It was inspiring. It was uplifting. And it made a deep impression upon me. A whole lot of who I am came from Katie Bell Henderson. I believe she came from God into my life. She taught me from day one, we are all the same. We all came from God. We're just in different colors. What Dion thanked me for came from Katie Bell Henderson. So it was a couple of years back, my wife Ernestine had connected with a, a psychic who lives in New York, a black man named Joseph, who's originally from New Orleans. And she said, I think you could benefit from a reading with Joseph over the phone. No, I don't buy it. I don't believe in it. I was skeptical. She said, he's a God guy like you. Why don't you just give it a try? Just, just see how it feels. You don't even have to open your mind to it. Just, just give it a, a whirl. I finally said, okay, you sure he's a God? Yep, he's a God guy. So over the phone, Joseph and I connected. We prayed. And then as we were just beginning to interact on the phone, he interrupted and said, oh, Somebody wants to join us. I'm like, oh, God, join us how? I thought maybe he was going to say my mom wanted to, and she was going to say how sorry she I, I didn't know what it was. And if it was my mom, I was going to say, no, Joseph, no, I, I don't want to do this. But he said, uh, I, I asked him, is, is this my mom? No, it's not your mom. He says, it's, it's a black woman. Huh? Hadn't thought about Katie Bell for a good while. A, a black? I said, Katie Bell? Yes, it's Katie Bell. She wants you to know how proud she is of you. And it just rocked me. There, there's no way he could have known of Katie Bell. I mean, Ernestine knows a little about Katie Bell, but not a lot. I, th there's just no way. So all I knew to do was to tell Joseph to please tell Katie Bell how much I love her and how thankful I am for her.
I just hope that Katie Bell was up there watching last Friday when Dion said what he said to me in Boulder, Colorado. Somehow that moment to me just felt so meant to be. Somehow to me that moment felt like it had been in the making since I was three or four years old. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Speaking of Colorado and childhood, last Thursday, as my man Tyler Coyne and I headed south out of the Denver airport toward Boulder in our car service car, I looked out the window, the passing scenery, and for the first time in years, I thought about Eagle Lake Boys Camp. I even picked up my phone to check the location because I had no idea exactly where it was, only that I had been there. And my phone said that Eagle Lake was about an hour and a half south of the Denver airport. Again, Boulder's 30 to 40 minutes south, maybe 45-ish. But Eagle Lake is, is much nearer to Colorado Springs up in the Rocky Mountains. So when I was 10 years of age, at my grandmother's house with Katie Bell, one of my older cousins happened to be there and had a brochure of a boys camp called Eagle Lake Boys Camp. You know how little kids are, you get a hold of something, you start looking at the pictures and it, it just doesn't seem real. It was like fantasy land to me, up in the Rocky Mountains, all kinds of pictures of kids fly fishing, camping, hiking, boxing, shooting bows and arrows at targets. And I thought, I, I got to go there. I want to go there. So I borrowed the brochure. I took it home to my mother, my real mother, and I said, I want to go here. And she said, well, how are you going to pay for it? And I said, I'll work. So 
a grade school friend of mine who went on to be a very good high school football player and played at Wichita State named Steve Veach and I decided we were going to Eagle Lake Boys Camp. And we worked July and August, I'm sorry, uh, June and July ahead of the August. It, it was from August 10th for two weeks, sort of leading up to the start of school. We were 10 years old. I worked at my dad's little hole-in-the-wall barbecue restaurant. I mowed yards. We did all kinds of little odd, weird jobs to save our nickels and dimes enough to pay for the camp and the bus ride to and from camp. I had no idea what I was getting into, so we took the cheapest bus ride possible from Oklahoma City to Colorado Springs, and I'll swear it stopped in every little town in Oklahoma and Kansas on the way to Colorado. I just remember stopping in Garden City, Kansas, and looking out saying, what, what, what are we doing? I was 10 years old. Where are we? I was 10 years old. Is, is this the best way to get to Colorado Springs? I guess so. Took forever. But once we got there, it reminds me of what Michael Irvin has been saying about Boulder, Colorado. It's just heaven. It is spectacularly gorgeous. What a setting. It was a quote-unquote Christian camp, but they didn't force any of it down your throat. There was some Bible study on Sunday, but it it was no big deal. It, it was a camp camp, a boys camp, a hardcore activities camp. All the above. The hiking, the camping, boxing tournaments, fly fishing, regular fishing, rowing, and archery. I'm not sure how many kids there, 200 kids maybe. And we lived in giant teepees that were not heated, so you had to have your sleeping bag that I'd rolled up and taken with me on the bus because it, it got cold at night up in the hills, up in the Rockies, the mountains. High 30s, even in the summertime. So each teepee had 20 or 30 kids, maybe 20 kids in it. And that would be your group, you know, sort of your team. And it's so weird. I still have a picture somewhere of Eagle Lake. And in the picture, I can see my, my best friend from seventh grade on, named Craig Humphreys. I can see his older brother, Kirk, who became mayor of Oklahoma City. Craig became a radio legend, the hump man in Oklahoma City. And they're in the picture. They're at the camp, but I don't know them at all. I'm 10 years old. Never met them that week. They're just too many kids. So I gravitated toward taking the archery course. I was the youngest. The, the camp went from 10 to 16-year-olds. And during archery class, the 15 and 16 year olds would just dominate because they were bigger, stronger, and they, they actually brought their own bows to camp. 
I'd never shot a bow and arrow before. So this was all new to me, but it was target shooting. They had great range with maybe eight or 10 targets across. They taught you all the right ways to, to pull it back to your, obviously your chin, launch it. There were some varmints there. I don't even know what they were. They would eat the hay and the targets. One day, one of the 16-year-olds saw one. I, I can't remember what it was. It wasn't a raccoon. I, I'm not sure. I, I, I was 10 years old. But the 16-year-old just calmly took an arrow out of his quiver, put it on his bow, aimed, and whatever this critter was, he split him in half. And that was all for that. And it, it astounded me how sure that archer was with his bow and arrow. He obviously hunted, and he was at a skill level with which I was not familiar. So it was that on the final Sunday of Eagle Lake Boys Camp, we had an Olympics of all the activities that we had all participated in. And as fate would have it, as we divvied up who would represent our TP in which competition, it came clear to me that in my TP, nobody had taken archery except me. So the older kids are saying, anybody here shoot bow and arrow? Anybody? And I, I, I took it. Oh, okay. Well, you want to participate in the Olympic competition? Yeah, I'll do it. Okay, good luck. So it was that I'm representing my TP, and I don't know how many kids are in this competition, maybe 15-ish kids, 10 or 15 kids, 12. I don't know, but, but I'm trying to represent my group against a bunch of 15 and 16-year-olds. And magic ensued. I had no expectation. I felt zero pressure. I was by far the youngest and least experienced. And I stepped to the firing line. And as I began to launch alongside all these other older kids, magic happened. I went into whatever that zone is that you occasionally enter in sports. The arrows were effortlessly flying off my hand. I could see them in slow motion flying to the target and sticking dead center bullseye, one after another after another. I am transfixed. I'm lost in the beauty of what I'm doing because it feels like I'm not really in control. Something, some other force has taken over my body. We had three rounds of archery for this competition. And after two rounds, I led the entire competition because I'm sticking bullseye after bullseye. And the older kids are not happy with me because they're competing with each other under extreme pressure, the 15 and 16-year-olds, because they're supposed to win. I was not. In the third and final round, maybe midway, I came to my senses for a moment and said, 
what are you doing? And I quivered a bit. My hand began to shake just a bit. I missed a couple of shots that I shouldn't have missed quite as badly as I did. And yet I still finished third in the competition, which meant that I medaled. I medaled in the archery competition at age 10 over several 15 and 16 year olds. When I got back to my teepee, I got a standing ovation from every kid in my teepee, many of them older than me, a standing ovation for getting the bronze medal in archery at age 10. It might have been my most shining moment in sports. And as we rolled down the road toward Boulder, I chuckled to myself as I thought about Eagle Lake for the first time in years, only because we were in Colorado. I thought about one of the most amazing moments in my life that happened in Colorado ahead of the most amazing moment in my life that was about to happen on Friday in Boulder, Colorado thanks to Deion Sanders. I do love you, man. That's it for episode 83. Thank you for listening and or watching. Thanks to Jonathan Berger and his all-pro team for making this show go. Thanks to Tyler Korn for producing. Please remember, Undisputed every weekday, 9.30 to noon Eastern, The Skip Bayless Show, every week.